Hailing frequencies open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and it's depressing to see that Clint Howard has moved on from Tranya to Inhalants. Volcanic vapor, not even once. I'm joined on the show, as usual, by Ella Pearson. She's the co-host of the Generations Geek podcast on the Chronic Drift Network, which is at chronicdrift.com. Welcome back, Ella. Thank you. Ella, the finale, you have thoughts. <laughs> um, I mean, are we skipping right to the surprise <laughs> okay. ending, or do All we right. want to talk about like everything that happened before that? All right, maybe hold on to your thoughts, but I know that you have <laughs> Yeah, that. I will. <laughs> right, so try to keep from exploding. Uh, also joining us... <laughs> On the show tonight is New York Times bestselling author Alan Gratz. Alan is the author of many novels for young readers, such as Samurai Shortstop and Prisoner B3087. His latest novel, Refugee, is available now in physical, audiobook, and ebook form. Ellen, welcome back to Discoverage. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be back. Good to have you back. Uh, Alan, your new book, Refugee, tells the story of three people who are all looking for refuge, uh, one in Nazi Germany, one in Castro's Cuba, and one in the crisis-wracked Syria of the current decade. What inspired you to combine these stories, and how do you frame stories of such lugubrious content for younger readers? You know, um, this one came about, I, I started for me with the story of the MS St. Louis, a real ship full of Jewish refugees that left Nazi Germany in 1939, and I was trying to find a way into that story and was actually in Florida and saw a, a, a refugee raft. There were no refugees on it, but it was a raft that was on the beach. And um, I realized, wow, why am I writing about something that happened 75 years ago when there are refugees right here, right now, that I need to be telling that story? And, uh, of course, at the same time, I was watching images of the Syrian civil war and the refugee crisis that's happening there and in Europe and decided I wanted to try and, and tell all of those stories. I, at first I thought I was going to write different novels. And I was like, wait, why don't I write these all in one novel and show the connections between sure. them all? And it was like the biggest thing I've ever done, the, the biggest project I've ever taken on, um, certainly the most rewarding and, and it's been by far the most successful. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it seems slightly unfortunate that uh, it was so easy to gather sort of examples of oh, this for your, for your writing. Yeah, but. Yeah. The crazy thing was there are there are so many parallels and um, like like uh, people often ask me was it hard to find the parallels between stories set you know year decades apart and and unfortunately it's not and that's one of the big messages I, I hope young readers and all readers take away from the book and that is that we keep making the same mistakes twice we keep making the same mistakes and uh, over and over again not just twice but over and over again and if we don't correct these mistakes we're going to continue to have. Uh, people in in peril and 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 people whose lives are are disrupted this way until we get this right. Do you find uh, when writing for younger readers that you have to sort of I don't I don't want to use the word censor but sort of cater the content to a younger audience, especially when you're only, dealing with subjects? Yeah, a little bit. The the only concession I make to to young readers really is to tone back the gratuitousness of the violence, the sure. or, or, or descriptions. Um, you know, I've written about the Holocaust. I've written about refugees. Um, I've written about the Hitler Youth. I've, I've, I've put, I've written about kids in really dangerous and and really complicated situations. And the thing about writing for kids is you don't ever want to talk down to them. You don't want to simplify things. Sure. The only thing I want to do is really take out the the gory stuff so that they don't have to read that. They don't have to see that. They they can look that up and discover that on their own if they want to. Yeah. But. But but otherwise, just telling the truth of the situation and how awful it is is enough, and and that I don't censor at all. Kids can handle it. Sure, 
Uh, you've done a couple artists, uh, artist residency programs in places like Tokyo and Jakarta. Can you talk about your experiences abroad and how they give you inspiration for your work? Oh, yeah. So I was in Jakarta in January uh, of, of last year. Just it was just getting back this time last year. And that was an incredible experience. I spent a month over there um, working with students at the Jakarta Intercultural School. And like I, Indonesia, if you're un, if unfamiliar with it, is the largest by population, the largest Muslim country in the world. And um, it, it is it was an incredible thing to be to be there and living in Jakarta for a month and to to see how how other people live it, like it was a you know it, it was like living here but every day you heard the call to prayer five times a day and the 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 the, the mannequins in the mall had hijabs on you know like it's okay. like it's seriously it's it was that kind of like you know it was like walking around in a in a modern society but 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 different from my own and um it's it's experiences like that 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 help me that remind me that 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 a lot of people don't see that in America. A lot of people don't have those experiences, and I try to bring those to to readers on the page uh, lives that they may not experience or see, but that they can empathize with when they meet those characters on the page. Sure. You were previously on Discoverage for episode five, Choose Your Pain. Yeah. So it's been a little while. Uh, now that we've come full circle, what do you think about the show? Luckily, you know, nothing much has happened in the interim. Um, right. I kid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, who? Um, I uh, like Ella. I, I have I have thoughts about the end of tonight's episode, certainly, but I have larger <laughs> questions. Yeah, I have I have larger questions about the whole series. Now that we're at the end, now that we've seen everything they've done with the first season, mm-hmm. I feel like in addition to discussing the episode, we can also talk about some some bigger picture questions about what they were trying to accomplish and whether that or not they were successful or not. Sure. Um, I don't, I don't know if you want to start there. If you want to start with like the, the episode itself, well, um, <laughs> we but, should probably start yeah. somewhere. So let's just, uh, <laughs> let's just dig in. Uh, we were let's talking about the episode, but then I'll bring up my other stuff later. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking about the 15th and final episode of the first season of Star Trek discovery entitled, will you take my hand question mark? And we're here to break it down for you. As always, we're setting a course for the spoiler zone listeners to so be warned. We're glad you decided to join us, but if you haven't seen the episode, spoilers are incoming. The official synopsis for the episode this week is, with Giorgio at the helm of the plan to end the Klingon War once and for all, the USS Discovery crew struggles to fathom and tolerate her hostile tactics. Memories of past hardships are rekindled within Burnham. The episode was written by Aaron Harberts and Gretchen Berg, the head writers and showrunners of the show. And there is a story credit by Akiva Goldsman for this episode, who also directed the episode. Uh, last week on Star Trek Discovery, everyone was playing catch-up as Discovery had returned from the Mirror Universe to a Federation torn by war with the Klingons. A crazy plan was developed to gain intelligence of the Klingon homeworld, and our crew was tasked with carrying it out with Captain Emperor, Captain Slash Emperor Giorgio in command of the Discovery, which of course we knew was bad news, and we see the effects of that <laughs> in this episode. And this week... Wow. I mean, the first thing I want to say is um, when I saw that the episode was 45 minutes long, my first thought was, oh, we're not getting resolution to any of this. And, as it and turned, yet. Yeah. And yet, as it turned <laughs> out, uh, we got what I would kind of term a kind of rushed resolution. Um, yeah. Everything kind of worked out OK. Yeah, I think it was like a, a, a dramaless resolution. Mm-hmm. I mean, it not only did everything sort of work out OK, but. I felt there was very little tension to the episode. We had we had time in it for people to step aside and have conversations. And right. <laughs> I, I, 
I, I don't know. The, the trip to, to Kronos felt like as weird as taking a trip to a casino planet in the middle of a cha- galactic chase scene. I don't know if you can. Oh. Visualize. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, it, like well, seriously, I mean, we've got Klingon ships bearing down on Earth and we're going to play dress up and go to the Orion sector on Kronos. I like I just I don't know. And, and the way that it left so many of our our regular sideline. You know, we, we barely saw Stamets. We barely saw Saru. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, it, it didn't feel to me like an, like you, you want, it feels like to me in, in the climactic moment in the episode, you want, you want your whole team together, you know, solving the problem. And right. I felt like kind of backed out of the problem. Right. I don't know. I'll leave it to you guys to, what do you think? Ella? Wow. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Processing. I agree that it it was it was it was a little strange. Um I I don't know. I am a fan of this episode. I think I do wish I mean it did get solved like really really fast. Like I was surprised too when like everything was fixed because I was like in the last couple minutes of the episode I was like I'm I'm like upset. Like this is going to end and I'm like not going <laughs> to like the ending because not like there's no like cliffhanger. Um but I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so for, for me, when I, 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 there was a moment, I watched this with my family, my wife and daughter, and we were, we were watching together. We've watched the whole season. We're Star Trek fans, all of us. And um, during one of the commercial breaks, after, after Lorel is brought down to the, the cave and she's given, she's told what's, got, what's up with the bomb. Yeah. And we went to commercial break and I was like, so wait, what just happened? Did... Like how is how is telling her to get everybody all the Klingons together and that there's a bomb like fixing this and then we could none of us could figure it out and then we come back from commercial break and we see she's got the you know the the detonator and she basically like holds it over the other houses and says we're we're getting our stuff together here and 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 if not I'm what she's gonna blow up the home world I like I, I don't know that this is exactly the the basis for a, a a unified system of government, to borrow a phrase. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I felt like it was such an. It just felt like a very easy resolution um, to I, I, showing mercy to Klingons seems like the last way to get their respect. That's At true. Least the Klingons, yeah, yeah. They've uh, the they've definitely they, been introduced to them so far. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely um, reaffirming uh, these ideals, uh, the Starfleet ideals and the idea that we're sticking to yeah. them. But I did think it was a little strange to like, uh, we are Starfleet. Here's a gun pointed at your planet's head, and that's how you're going to solve uh, your problem. M- my question yeah. is, uh, we've talked before on this show about how the uh, Discovery as a series, a maxi series, has had to sort of balance its dramatic beats between the typical, you know, f- five-act structure you see. Uh, on a TV show and also these season long uh, beats. And I think that they've done a fairly good job and I don't need like a huge explosion or something uh, no. to, to be a finale, but I did think that it sort of fell a little flatter was a little uh, rushed. And my question is if the finale is rushed, then look back, you know, what did we spend too much time on in the series proper? Like where were we spending time doing something that we could have been, uh, laying more groundwork or setting up more tension that could be resolved uh, in the pilot or excuse me, in the finale. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, 
They I feel around like... with the t- the tardigrade a lot. I was half expecting yeah. that the tardigrade would like sail in at the end and you know be involved right, somehow. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the first half of this, the the, the first half, you know, the, the before the season break, I felt like there wasn't much of a direction. We, we there there were many mysteries laid out. There were many there were many un, uh, unexplained things, and we were getting little pieces of it here and there. But we still had time for episodes like you know, um, fun with Harry Mudd, you know, and and right. and. And and it didn't feel like, you know, now all of a sudden the second half became this sort of – and we were always at war with the Klingons. That's what Michael started in the very beginning. Yeah. But some episodes it felt like we totally weren't. It's like, are are we at war with the Klingons? And then, like, we'd have an episode that would start out with Lorca on the bridge, like, smiting Klingons. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's right. We're at war. I forgot. You know, yeah. and um, I, I felt like the first half of the season didn't have that that – that driving narrative part to it. The second half did, and then we spent three episodes in the mirror universe. Although uh, I would argue, uh, I, I believe those mirror episodes were, were great. Uh, I, the first two, especially, um, I thought I thought they were fantastic, and some of my favorite episodes of the whole season. But they were definitely were taking us away from where the real story was. Yeah, I felt and, like it, it was clear that they knew from the beginning that they wanted an arc in the Mirror Universe. And oh, although yeah. it might have been a detour, I felt like those episodes were... I mean, you could have cut that out into a movie. Like, that was very cleanly sure. done. Yeah, but they definitely laid all that stuff with Lorca in there from the start. And, and it yeah. wasn't just going back and saying, oh, we can retcon this. No, they, they clearly knew they were going to the Mirror Universe. And I, I had always thought that the season would end like this. I... I saw this as a as as Burnham's journey from making a very poor decision at the beginning to to um, to try and, and 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 overthrow her captain and, and conduct a mutiny. Yeah. And then at the end, I thought they were setting it up for Lorca to be evil. I, I, I guess that right. I didn't think I thought he'd be around for the final episode, um, at least in person. He's somewhere off in the mycelial network. We all know that. So. Um, <laughs> But uh, nobody dies in comics. I keep telling my daughter that. So um, the the but I thought she I thought Michael was going to have to lead a uh, a mutiny against Lorca, and this time it would be right, and she would have everybody behind her. And then when Lorca died, I'm like, okay, now they're putting Giorgio on the on the throne, the captain's chair, and she's going to have to do the same thing to her, and that's going to be an even more direct mutiny and par- parallel to the beginning, you know, right. because it's doing the same thing to the same person, but it's not the same person. And yet we, we kind of did, but it was more of a scene played out with Cornwell instead of, uh, instead of Giorgio. I mean, I, so she, she did have that moment and she said, I made the mistake at the beginning. I'm not going to miss it, make that mistake again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a lot of, there was a lot to get to that moment. I thought her killing or defeating a Lorca or a uh, mirror Giorgio, I think would have sort of completed that circle. But I I think I would commend the show for sort of sticking to its guns or its phasers, if you will, um, by <laughs> having her uphold those principles. And she does. Oh, yeah. She commits sort of a bloodless mutiny and basically sta- she saves the soul of Starfleet. She stands up to right. her superiors who are ready to do the same thing that she did at the beginning and said, it says, don't do this. We shouldn't right. do this. But then one of, my, one of my biggest questions about the whole series, and, and I, I, I'm sorry to keep talking here. I'm talking a lot, but this is a good segue. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, one of my big questions, and the, the one that my family and I have had the whole time, is: Is this Star Trek? Like, uh-huh. it's called Star Trek Discovery. I get that, and it's it, it's got they're all wearing Star Trek uniforms of of a kind. And 
like I know it's called Star Trek, and I just just should accept that. But but is it has it is the heart of it like all the other Star Trek shows? And for a little while, I didn't think that it was. Like I asked myself, if you took the Star Trek names from everything, and this was a science fiction show on Sci-Fi Network or something that didn't have anything to do with Star Trek. I asked myself, like, would I be watching this? You know, would I be compelled enough by these characters and what they're doing to care? And, and uh, you know, or, or does it does it have the same, does it, does it call to me the way that all the Star Trek, all the Star Treks have up until now, you know? And um, I, I felt like this last episode was, was the, the the clarion call to people like me. Like, this <laughs> okay. was the, we, we are Trek. Right. And we are getting back to it. She even says, like, you know, we're going to, she, she she gives the little speech there at the end, like, we're going to go out there and we're going to find strange new worlds and stuff. And, and you know, it, it did feel like, like, okay, now that we've had this Klingon war plot and all the sword drive stuff, we're going to get back to basics. Maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Ella, is this Star Trek? I I would say yes. I I would be a little surprised if... I mean, like, I think fair and, like, a good question asked, but I would be surprised if um, somebody was like, no, this is definitely not Star Trek. <laughs> sure. Um, obviously, it's very different. I mean, I get yeah. that, but I think, I don't know, I have a lot of love for it, and I think it is Star Trek. I've enjoyed it, and and it's not your grandfather's Star Trek. There's no, <laughs> there's no there's no doubt about that. And um and 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 honestly, besides the nostalgia factor, some of the old Trek doesn't play as well. We we need the story te- television storytelling has come a long long way since the '60s, yeah. and so like th- th- this discovery is telling some really compelling stories and asking some really compelling questions. Yeah. But we, their their job, their trick is going to be keeping that heart of Star Trek in a new world where Game of Thrones and Walking Dead exist, you know? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, where, where that kind of storytelling exists, but we've also got, you know, I think when J.J. Abrams took over the, the, the Trek universe for movies, he kind of, he said, look, this is a group of people running around in primary colors with, you know, like, they're like a bunch of space Boy Scouts. And, and it's true, it's, it's a hard, it's, but that's Trek to me. Like to to me, that's the start. I, I want to be in that federation. I want to be in Starfleet. I want to be around, like like saving the galaxy in uniform in a primary colored uniform. I don't. I love that, and and I want to make sure that they don't lose that part of it. You know. Yeah. Well, I think that the entire this entire show to me felt like a um, like a renewal of vowel uh, vowels a renewal Ooh, of, a renewal yeah. of uh, uh, vows. Um, I got. You. <laughs> and I do uh, – uh, the renewer of vowels is uh, Vanna White. And I, uh, <laughs> I I did enjoy it as a show, but I also felt like it was almost more of a treatise or like a paper than, than a show. Like somebody you know writing about the values of Starfleet and how they're important and what would happen if we didn't have them. Um, but it also functions, I think, as a drama series. And you were speaking about um, Game of Thrones, which gives me a good segue into the next thing I want to talk about, which is the promise yeah. – uh, that has been delivered more than a few times by this show of its TVMA rating, uh, along with the LS and V, uh, which mm-hmm. we get not in every single episode, but certainly rears its head uh, a couple times here. Uh, and I guess the way I would start the conversation is two dicks confirmed. <laughs> it seems like uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Klingons have uh, uh, male Klingons have two appendages. So that's uh, that's all I want to talk about. Yeah. 
No, I know yeah. we, can, we can continue <laughs> That's to talk all you about. Had to say. <laughs> yeah, that was it. I just wanted to get that out. We, we, we confirmed that part of the Klingon anatomy. That is true. But it's uh, not. There's no other show. And also, uh, the way that storytelling has evolved in the way uh, on TV from the '60s till now. I was talking with um, somebody else recording an episode of Enterprising Individuals today. We were talking about Wolf in the Fold from the original series, and like right. half of that episode would not play today. You couldn't do any of that today. But I'd also say that you also couldn't have. Um, an evil character from the mirror universe go off with some uh, Orion sex slaves and right. fulfill the promise of Orion sex slaves that we've heard about <laughs> so much about over these years. So it's right. definitely a different kind of show. Yeah. Well, and I think it was, a, it's a lot easier for the, it was a lot easier for the older Star Trek series um, to keep like the heart of Star Trek because they were able to, like, do those one-off episodes and just, like, explore ethics and morality was just, like, the alien of the week. Right. Right. And now it's, like, I can't think of a single TV series um, that has really done something like that. Plus we get a uh, tattoo parlor where you can get light-up moving tattoos. Yeah, I think, I think, and, and this brings me into all the references. I, I love watching, as a Trek fan, the references that they put in there. I think that was a Trill getting a tattoo in there. Oh, uh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, she had, she had dots on her neck. Okay. Uh, I think we had a reference to Nausicaan guns, right? Those are the guns that they were selling. Yeah. Uh, if, I, if I heard that correctly, they were Nausicaans. Those are the folks that uh, stabbed Picard in, in tapestry. Right. Uh, uh, and I, if I'm not mistaken... One of the pans where we see something cooking up looked very much like the things they put in Chekhov's ear in Wrath of Khan. Oh, really? that's, that's exactly what I thought. I was Did traumatized. You? Okay, good. Uh, and they lingered over it for a second. I'm like, that's that, those are those things that Khan has in the aquarium. Um, so that, that felt like a reference there. And of course, of course, we had the biggest throwback. We had Clint Howard. Yeah, I know. Which, uh, I mean, if listeners don't know, Clint Howard uh, appeared as Baylock, I believe, uh, in the Corbinite, Manu- Corbinite Maneuver, which was right. the first production episode. Uh, it wasn't the first aired. That was the man trap. Right. But it was the first episode they made. And this is, we now know, will not be the last episode of Star Trek that is made. But, yeah, it kind of shows you how, where we've come from there to here. It's uh, kind of a long way. Right. Yeah. And we, we get it, Clint. You vape. Um, but... Uh... <laughs> I have to imagine too that uh, that has to that's got to be something to do with the fact that uh, this was you know written and directed by Akiva Goldsman, who got his Oscar uh, working for Ron Howard on A Beautiful Mind, and so there's probably a little connection there. So what I want to know is how long do we go before Ron Howard is directing a Star Trek movie? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, will we get a Ron Howard one or a Quentin Tarantino first? That's, that's what the, I was just... well, that one too. Yeah, A Beautiful Mind meld. So right. Yeah, I also uh, heard a reference to um, they subjugated Mintaka 3, and I'm like, is that the planet where Ray Wise is like a Vulcan caveman? Like, why would they, yeah. why would they have to subjugate that planet? Yeah. Oh, and we but we did get her – she told Tilly that they had subjugated Beta Z together too, didn't they? That's right. Didn't she? That's right. Yeah, so we got a Beta Z reference back then. Yeah. Um, that was nice. Um, yeah, I'm, and I think – those are all the things that I picked up. Uh, there were a lot. There was a lot coming fast and furious in that in that Orion sector uh, scene. <laughs> so, uh, there was a lot to take in. A lot of butts. Yeah. Um... There were a lot of butts. A lot of Orion butts. <laughs> and we got that. Um, I mean, I, I think of it as a Star Wars cantina scene, but I think it fits in any sort of alien uh, universe. 
Yeah, we've seen scenes like that. Um, it, it seems like uh, maybe Enterprise did a couple of things like that, um, oh, where definitely. they, where they, you know, they had that kind of galactic feel to them. I, um, I, I, I still have a little bit of a problem if 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 the humans and the Klingons are are at war, even even in a like a like a an Orion sector on the planet. It seems like uh, we saw a lot of Klingons, some of them like urinating in corners, but you know we. We saw a lot of Klingons, and I, I was surprised that they didn't challenge them more. We got a couple of them like, "What are you doing here?" But then it was like, "Off, you know." Tyler was off um, gambling um, right. with them, but um, so I don't know. Maybe it just shows that you know, in, in a war, not everybody's always fighting. But I know they are. They are Klingon. Feels like that's kind of their reason for being. Right. But, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's always fun to see our uh, officers put on uh, civilian clothes. They put on their sure. um, low life clothes. Uh, <laughs> Burnham's got the uh, official galactic uh, symbol of a, of a burnout, which is the neck bandana. And then, of course, <laughs> hashtag swag or hashtag shag for the captain, Giorgio. She's got that awesome uh, cape on. Right. Yeah, she had a really nice cape. It was a good fashion episode. I liked uh, Sarek's uh, black leather long jacket at the end. Oh, that, yeah. was a, that high collar, that's a good look. I just like that she was like dressed like low lives, yeah, <laughs> and right. then it cuts to just her like in a cape. <laughs> and they're like, "Let's go to the costume department, computer. <laughs> give us low yeah. lives, yeah. Computer, give me New York Fashion Week. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 isn't Circa there two thousand and yeah, right, right? Isn't there, a, isn't there an old TOS episode? Like, maybe it's the, where where they where they have to get dressed to go somewhere, and and they like. They talk about going to like the cost to like the the costume room or something yeah, like, the like wardrobe department. Yeah. yeah, they go to the wardrobe. Like it, Matt, like that's a job that I want on the Enterprise. Is I want to be the guy who runs like the the the, the alternate uniforms and like <laughs> the gangster uniforms just in case, right? Like, just in case. Um, so clearly, they they all <laughs> were able to go and and get get new clothes uh, really quickly. There's a room where uh, one guy is steaming a pinstripe suit somewhere, <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, no, uh, but, speaking uh, of, uh, we were yeah. talking about Tyler before, uh, or Viler, yes. whatever we want to call him, and he, <laughs> he comes in pretty useful uh, in this episode. And uh, as I was, you know, I was watching this in a meta way, like everybody does, or especially somebody who has a show about uh, this kind of show does. And I was thinking, okay, now I see. So he's kind of the best of both worlds, so to speak. Now. Yeah. Um, maybe you know we'll use him in the future. Like he can kind of ride the line of both races, uh, which he kind of does in this episode. And then he takes off at the end. And then he leaves. Yeah, <laughs> I know he could have been like the ambassador. Uh huh. Yeah, and I, it would have been I, fantastic. I, yeah, I made a note as I was watching that I really, really liked his use. Like I, after after all the stuff went down and they did the magic thing on, with his fingers on his head to take the Klingon out of him, I thought that that he was kind of a useless, broken character. Like, I didn't believe that he could function on the ship. We're told last episode that somebody tells him, like, somebody tells Michael, like, he'll never serve in Starfleet again. Yeah. You know, like, he's done. Um, you know, not not pointing out in, in the moment that, that Michael was done and is back. But, <laughs> right. um, but, but still, they have a point. Like, he killed a crewmate's partner. Like, that's... That like we had that scene where Stamets confronts him, where I thought Stamets should have gotten way madder. But, but yeah, wow. Yeah, right. I mean, it's just like, hey, man, you killed my my husband, and I don't like you. And it's like, what? Come on, get mad. Um, but but anyway, he wasn't going to be able to to have like like a regular role. But now 
this episode, I thought, oh, he's really useful. He speaks Klingon. He has Klingon memories. He knows how to play Klingon games. You know, like, like this is a guy who's going to be able to bridge this coming world. Like, we knew the war has to end. We know that there has to be this detente between the Klingons and the Federation. We've seen it in TOS. We know the state of things to come if we're in the same universe. Bigger question. But, like, he would have been great. And then he's off. He's gone. Yeah, and also he leaves with uh, Laurel. Um, yeah. yeah, that really surprised me. In the sight of, yeah, Burnham, where it's like they have this great, you know, touching scene and the performances by both actors are amazing. And then he takes off yeah. with his uh, Klingon ex-girlfriend. It's like yeah, you, you versus the, yeah, you versus the Klingon girl he tells you not to worry about. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, well, imagine if he had just gone back to Earth and, like, became, like, a teacher at the Academy. Right. Sure. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm sure we'll see him again. Like, honestly. <laughs> yeah, he's like the, the only expert they have on Klingons. He is the Klingon expert. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, it's a weird decision. And uh, one that we know we have a second season. And I'm guessing we this is not nearly the last we will see of, of Tyler um, uh, or, or Lorel for that matter, uh, unfortunately, because I thought that the Klingon stuff was some of the weakest parts of this season, frankly. Yeah, I don't want Laurel back. <laughs> I, don't I don't either. Well, she's, at this point, you know, she is a horse, historical figure, I'm assuming, because if she unites uh, the Klingon Empire, then she's right. going to, it's kind of a retcon, but she's going to be the figure that we're going to look back on in this time and say, well, that's who got the Klingons together. Yeah. I guess they can have her show up like Galrod and, you know, whenever he would come up bug-eyed and say, we need you to prevent a Klingon civil war. Right. You know, <laughs> she can show up in season and, and give us that and we can run help with the Klingons. That was, that was, is Robert O'Reilly there with you? That was really great. Thanks. I appreciate that. I, I work on it a lot. <laughs> Uh, we also have uh, Giorgio who goes off on her own and yeah. will almost definitely return. She was so reckless. Yes. I thought that she was going to be more, like, sneaky. Yeah. You know, being, like, sort of, like, undercover on the ship. But no, like, Tilly walks in and she's just like, I remember when we killed thousands of people. And <laughs> yeah. Tilly's like, oh, I, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. they set up this, like, secret identity and then she just blows it. Like, she's not concerned about keeping Yeah, she's on the bridge and she's like, shut up. You'll talk when I want you to talk. You know, I don't need, you know... If I wanted crap from you, I squeeze your head. I mean, she's like, yeah. she's, she's totally evil all the time. It's like, I yeah, I, I thought from from last episode, the whole deposit, you guys talked about this on your episode last week, but the, the whole putting her in the captain's chair was just preposterous. And, and um, you know, like, it, it, they they all just came back to the mirror universe and they're like, oh, it's Giorgio. They found her on a planet somewhere? Cool. Wait, I mean, <laughs> really, yeah. How, I mean, even Ensign, even Ensign Avenger gets this, and you know she's like a toaster. So I mean, like, like the, they, <laughs> they, they need, they, they, they didn't give the crew much credit, and you know, for for having any kind of brain, and, or for us, for that matter. I, I just couldn't believe that, that, that I get that it's desperate measures and different de desperate times, and and that the, the the Klingons are about to destroy the Federation, but. Uh, but she like was eating Kelpians, and then they know <laughs> she's looking at Saru, yeah. and she's basically making the Hannibal Lecter sound. You know, she's I know. Like, right? <laughs> you look like a giant turkey leg to me, Mister Saru. Yeah, so, in front of the entire bridge. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's not even like she's not even hiding it in the slightest. I mean, this was a bad idea from start to finish, or 
from soup to nuts, maybe we should say. Is this um, an effort, uh, and Ella, I want your opinion on this. Um, is this an effort to sort of, you know, how you take the um, the villain character, uh, everybody loves them, and then you bring them in, and it's like, oh, they're kind of like a good guy now, but they're like a bad good guy. Like, don't get in the <laughs> way. Do you think that that's what they're doing with Giorgio, and is that something you want to see going forward, Ella? You know, I'm conflicted because I love Michelle Yeoh sure. and I love her performance. So I would kind of like to see more, but at the same time, like I I would be fine with her like leaving and us being able to focus on the crew. Okay. Um I mean, I'm sure she'll come back even if she does right. leave. I'm sure we'll see her again. Yeah. But yeah, I don't really I don't have a burning desire for her to stick around. I'm more salty that um saru wasn't like immediately promoted i'm with you on this one like they get all their like medals and then someone's like all right now uh go get your new captain go pick up your new captain on vulcan and i was like what we got a captain (laughs) like your new captain's right here and he's been the captain he's done a great job Great job, and and I, I I gotta say like at first I wasn't the biggest Saru fan, but he over the show I really really liked he he was like a grounding like factor on that ship. He was the like no drama Saru, and like yeah. everybody else had drama going on around him, but he was the one who could sort of cut through it. I loved his speech to the crew when Lorca's gone, when they realize Lorca is evil, and he's like, "This is our ship now." That was. That was a wonderfully written scene and a really powerful moment, a very subtle moment. He doesn't have to be like, rah, rah, we're going to kill people. It was a very Kelpian, very, very yeah. Saru kind of kind of speech. And I thought, OK, like I'm I'm all in on Captain Saru. And then he's relegated to commander again. I'm <laughs> very surprised by that. He got a Medal of Honor. For me, this is the, um, the definitive <laughs> proof that he, we are not in the Kelvin timeline because as we all know, when you take over your ship from the, a missing captain and you save the universe, you're immediately promoted, whether or not you're a cadet or whatever it is, <laughs> to right. captain of that ship. So, that's yeah. right. You graduated, that's, kid. That's the chain but of command at work. Only if you're a white man, apparently. Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm with there. Well, everybody so, did um, seem to get a, a promotion or at least a commendation at the end. They were just handing them out left and right. And, of course, yeah. Tilly is um, a full officer now uh, going right. forward. So that's neat. Um, and everybody, we got that sort of, again, I don't want to make a comparison to Star Wars, but we got that throne room scene, you know, where everybody gets uh, the uh, laud that they're due. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so everybody everybody got a little something at the end. Um Tilly got one more promotion in one season than Ensign Kim got in like seven in Voyager, which is not true. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Ensign Kim. Um, No, it was about time for for Tilly, as you guys pointed out, like, is there even a Starfleet Academy right now? And she certainly has served and put in her time Um, and, and is in the command track, which is nice. Um, uh, What, what happens now with the spore drive? What do you think? Ooh, a good question. Yeah. What do you think is the future next season for Discovery's Spore Drive? Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what we see um, going forward into season two. And you can yeah. talk about uh, the big thing, if, if that's what we're going to talk about. Should we talk about the big thing first? <laughs> we're going yeah. to jump in. Go for it. Um. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
did you were you guys expecting that because i saw people on twitter being like oh that's one of the endings they thought they might do and i was just like crying i did not expect to see the enterprise no uh as soon as they warped to vulcan i was like okay so here we go this is the this is the cliffhanger moment that you know vulcan will be destroyed it will be attacked by romulans or you know so or we'll end up coming out of warp in another galaxy you know like i thought the like, new captain was going to be the cliffhanger yeah i was like yeah. upset. i was like okay we're done like but well, I, I just thought of what the time waster was um the whole episode with where they have to go find sarek and the lo- logic extremists we probably could have cut that <laughs> Oh yeah, that's you're right. No, yeah, that's a good one. We could have gotten rid of. Yeah. But no, but then so, we don't uh, get him telling Burnham that he would rather die than talk about his feelings. So. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> we could have worked that in somewhere else. It works anytime. <laughs> For me, but, this uh, is a, I don't know. Like, it's a great moment. Um, I think it's a moment that everybody would want to see. But it's the kind of thing where I'd compare it to like. Uh, a superhero film, uh, now I'm comparing things to superheroes instead of Star Wars, where you have to do the origin film, and then you get the, um, you know, like at the end of Ant-Man, where the Wasp is like, oh, it's about damn time. Yeah, that right. could have been in the in the movie, though. <laughs> we could have just done that then. It's a kind of thing that everybody's kind of holding out for and, and waiting and hoping to see. And for them to drop it in, for me, it's like, hey, guys, keep that CBS All Access subscription going. <laughs> there's, there's more, yeah. more to come. <laughs> Uh, here's they a little were bit, away a little with the Enterprise all season long. Yeah, all season long they they danced around the Enterprise, you know, and and yeah. it, this is the flagship of the Federation. Where is it, you know? And and if the Discovery is involved in some major stuff, where is the Enterprise at the same time? Why why can't we just mention it? It was almost as though they had. It was almost like one of them was Sony and one of them was was Mar- was you know was Disney and and they couldn't mention Spider Man until they you know made a deal. I mean, like <laughs> like, right. like it, it just. It felt like like they were like everybody knew they were out there, but we can't talk about that. We can't mention it. And I was like, why not? Why not just say like we're you know we're rendezvousing with the Enterprise here to 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 whack some Klingons, and we watched the Enterprise fight Klingons with them for one scene. We don't we don't have to see anybody on the Enterprise, but they could just be there. And so they they were obviously saving it for their for their big reveal. And then they even ran the old TOS theme song over the credits. Oh my I know. god, that destroyed me yeah i liked it but um i don't know if it seemed a little pandery i don't know if that's a word uh but it just seemed like here's a reward we know we went through all this stuff and we got people with threat ganglia and weird stuff but yeah star trek right star trek right so help me out because i need i haven't thought about the math on this is spock supposed to be on the enterprise right now with pike well, it yeah. depends. Well, first of all, are right? we in the Kelvin universe? Uh, right, I know really. it's a big question. Right? <laughs> not really. Um, but it does open a lot of questions because if right. we see the bridge of the Enterprise, who plays Pike? Who plays Spock? Who plays number right. one? You know, we don't have any of those right. actors. And I would say, you know, cast um, Bruce Greenwood because <laughs> I'll watch Bruce Greenwood in anything. I love him. You're but talking about you... the the films? Yeah, but if you do, yeah. you're immediately crossing that line again where people are right. like, well, is this the Kelvin universe or not? And he's got a show anyway. He's on a, he's on a doctor show now. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, uh, the, in, the, the resident. Oh, okay. uh, it, it may be canceled in time for him to be on this. So, um, <laughs> but uh, no, I love him too as an actor. But my guess is that they will, they will go with all new actors that they won't, even if, even if it's supposed to be the, the Kelvin verse. Um, I don't think they'll go with the people from the films, but um, I don't know. It, it opened. I mean, if 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 Spock was on the Enterprise by this year, 
by this time, then we got to see him, right? We got to see him. Yeah, I think we're going to see him. We have to. Yeah. Yeah. And also Burnham and Sarek are both on the but like they're together and they're both like, it's the Enterprise, like Spock's on there. Right. Um, And I I mean, are (laughs) are we uncertain that this isn't uh, the original timeline? Like, do like (laughs) I don't think it's the Kelvin timeline, right? (laughs) No, I, I mean, it's, it's been, no, it's not. I mean, it's been fruitless <laughs> just for fun. You know, we've got a tin hat tradition on this show. Uh, you <laughs> like True. to joke about it, but no, I don't believe that. So you, you, you guys believe that it is the original universe, the original Trek universe that we're in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I, I think we are. And I think that's always been their intent. And I think that if they made it otherwise, I think they might have a minor revolution with with a core demographic that they're trying to reach. And I um, I think that they may be saying that the that the Kelvin verse is the films and we are still that the TV is still playing in the original universe. I agree. I think that that revolution has happened in a way, whether or not they were trying to stave it off (laughs) and they could have taken steps. I don't I I guess I don't know how you make it explicit uh, unless you have. Right. Uh, Leonard Nimoy, who wasn't available, unfortunately, to come on and yeah. say, this is the prime universe. <laughs> so <laughs> right. uh, I right. guess that sounded like Optimus Prime. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> we've got that. Um, I have to wonder if we just pick up immediately as season two starts with saying hello to the Enterprise. You know, what What do you think right. their distress call that they sent out was uh, in reference to? Yeah, there's no telling. I don't know. Maybe Spock needs to pawn far with somebody or something. Oh, that's oh my right. God. <laughs> I guess if you rewind, maybe that's the point that we're at. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I really don't know what their what their emergency is. Um, I don't I don't have a, a guess there. But but it, it's odd because we I can't imagine that it's the full season that we'll be dealing with the Enterprise because we have a crew. We have a yeah. ship. It's Discovery. And we can't we can't split time with a whole other crew for an entire season. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole lot of characters to juggle and a lot of story. Um, but um, but it'll certainly be fun. I mean, it could be the equivalent of a mirror universe, two or three episodes with the Enterprise, and then we get on with, with whatever's going on. Yeah, I could see something like that for sure. That's kind of what I picture happening. I don't think the way they've done this series so far, I have a hard time believing that they would try to integrate the Enterprise, like, like fully into the show whether that's for a season or for the rest of the seasons i think that they like have a strong idea of what they want to do and i don't think that they're gonna compromise that yeah um, one thing i try could to see... pander to fans no yeah sorry to interrupt sorry um one thing i can see is bringing spock in as a major character next season to have this if not rivalry at least a, a complicated relationship with burnham i mean Obviously, not a romantic one. I, I, what I was, and the reason I say that, I was going to say to replace the complicated one she had with Tyler. And I don't mean that in a romantic way. I mean drama, dramatically. Last season, she had this complicated relationship with Tyler, yeah. and I feel like that that one will still keep coming back around a little bit. But now, who is going to be there to have an emotional, a, a dramatic emotional connection to her? And it, it's going to be the brother that's not her brother. You know, yes. I. I I, I think it's it's going to be the competition between the two. He is he's even more Vulcan than she is, you know. And she, I mean, she's not not literally Vulcan, but she was raised on Vulcan to be 
logical and to be like a Vulcan. And um, they both struggle with the same thing, but he's got it down more than she does. And I think there's going to be a lot of there, there's a, there, that that's right for real fun writing in there. I think. Although he's um, pretty smiley, not, he's pretty smiley in Cage. Be, uh... So uh, <laughs> you know, this is this is a less seasoned Spock for sure. That's true. Not to be a, a nerd, but um, like that plot was already written by Dave Mack in the first novel in Desperate Hours. Uh-huh. Like, Burnham and Spock have already, like, hashed it out. I don't want to give you guys any spoilers, oh. but, like, I was, like, holding back tears for, like, a solid two-thirds of that book. Like, it's okay. intense. Um, So if they do do stuff with Burnham and Spock's relationship, it's going to be interesting to see if they oh. decide to play off what t- technically has already happened. Um, right. That's but, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's really interesting, and uh, I, I I just recently bought that ebook. I haven't read it yet, so um, the I wonder. We, we've seen properties like Trek and, and Star Wars have an expanded universe in print, and then largely ignore that. And I yeah. wonder. Yeah. yeah, I'll be interested to see what they do and if it jives with what he's written in, in print. Yeah, I was uh, talking with David Mack earlier this week. Just pick up that name that you dropped there, Ella. Here you go. And uh, <laughs> we were uh, we were talking about sort of the legacy of the show at this point. I mean, it's it's been successful uh, financially for CBS. It's had a great online presence. It's at 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. And we were talking about, you know, whether we consider it like a success or not. And I'd have to agree that, you know, the, the, the vociferous dislike and hate that I heard uh, in some corners for it uh, early on uh, seems to be a lot quieter than it used to be Um, they've told a cohesive story that's interesting and adds a new element to the Star Trek universe I mean for all of its foibles um, and that weird episode with um, the logic extremists uh, I'd have to say (laughs) that it's you know it's a success I mean it's an unqualified success yeah and And I I, I think it's I think it's a hard thing to take something with so much baggage baggage that we love baggage I'm happy to carry, um, you know, w- w- from all the previous shows and to take it and do something challenging and new with it. And so um, while I quibble and I nitpick, um, it's it's out of love. I, I wouldn't keep watching and nitpicking if I didn't love it. Um, and, you know, so I've enjoyed it. I've looked forward to every time I've sat down to watch it. Uh, I like the characters. I like the characters even more now that we've begun to meet some of the other crew members besides sort of a core three or four. And I... I hope that we get to know more of those crew members in the next season. I, I think if I have one major regret, it's that it, it, that it, that it and how it didn't feel like other treks is that we didn't have that large ensemble cast where we got, we got time yeah. with all of them. You know, we, we got time with, with three or four core ones, but not the whole group. I, I, I love the helmsman, the, I, I like the, the, the navigator and, and, and I want to know more about those characters besides just seeing them turn around and smile every now and then. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and it's also, it's such a huge challenge to take something that so many people love just so much and try to like make something successful in like 2018. Yeah. Um, especially since, I mean, everyone, I, everyone in my life who loves Star Trek, like my dad and all of his friends, like that's their whole life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that's an investment. <laughs> yeah. And right. so then to try to take in 
something that's had to change so much to be relevant on screen today. I I don't know. It's a lot, but I think that the writers' room has done a fantastic job. Yeah, and what you're describing—I mean, what you're describing—is really impossible. I mean, you know that. Yeah. You can't please. You have to make any work of art for yourself, yeah. really. You know, and so add to that over fifty years of continuity and baggage. I mean, they really just kind of had to do their own thing. And yeah. I'm just really amazed at how they did exactly that and yet provided something that I think with a few uh, bends and twists here and there, you know, fits into what already exists and honors it in a really special way. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm even more impressed now that, I mean, when now that we're at the end, like I remember when they had the first Mirror Universe episode and we were like, they knew what they were doing this whole time. Like they, (laughs) they had it, like they had it laid out. They knew exactly what they were doing. And I'm just, I'm impressed. (laughs) Pretty sure. I remember being on this episode in the first half of the season and saying that Lorca's uh, vision problems may mean that he was from other, where other, other galaxies. And boy, was I laughed at. (laughs) (laughs) But well, uh, listeners, you can that test one. that for yourself. Our uh, <laughs> previous episodes are available in our show feed. Uh, I've got one more question before we move on. Who plays Spock in season two of Star Trek Discovery? Yeah, I don't know. Boy, oh my God, I... <laughs> I'll throw one out there. Um, okay. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce his name, but uh, Tyler Hoechlin, the guy who is playing Superman on Supergirl right now. He's doing a pretty good job oh of that. Oh, my God. He seems to have a talent for taking well-beloved, long-established characters and slipping right <laughs> into them. So if he shaves that beard, uh, well, yeah, which he already has for Superman, uh, let's see what he's got. Right. Oh, my gosh. I just Googled him. He could totally be spot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a good answer for you on that one. I have yeah. to think about that. Yeah, well, yeah no, 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 I don't have enough actor names homework, in my head. for next time, yeah. Well, um, uh, I just, I, oh, I, yeah, go ahead. Okay, no, but please go ahead, Alan. Well, one, one last prediction. I, I, think, I think we may have seen the last of the spore drive. Uh, that, that's my prediction. They, last episode, they, they talked about mothballing it because if people knew, they would want to go back in time all the time to fix things. Ooh, yeah. I forgot about that. And uh, or like, the, like this has to be like top secret hush-hush. And this time we have Stamet saying they're working on a better interface, but in the meantime, we're going to go old fashioned. Yeah. So yeah. like my, my feeling is we might mothball that. And that's an only first season thing. That's my, do prediction. you think, but do you think that'll happen in like the first episode or do you think that's going to play out over the next season or seasons? I, I think they might just hand wave it away in the first episode. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, the, I we'll see. I mean, um, uh, I don't know, but but I I feel like it it's a it's a magic it's a magic power that gives them too, that gives the writers too many options out of situations, and if if you can jump to any place in the in the universe by just thinking about it, and you can possibly even go back in time, then what you've got is Doctor Who, and we've got. <laughs> But there's already Doctor Who, and it's a lot of fun. But it's no, it's not Star Trek. It's mm-hmm. Crazy Pants, and it, you know, it like, like that, like I, I feel like that it, it, it's too many possibilities with the Spore Drive, and I feel like they're gonna have. I, I, all season long, I've waited for them to, to explain to me why the Spore Drive can't be on every ship, and I think that they've 
I think they they're I think that's their their attempt at writing it out personally. I see. I mean, do you think that maybe they'll like Starfleet higher ups will like lock up the spore drive like somewhere like fifty floors underneath the ground on Earth in just for Indiana like just Jones in case? Warehouse? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Immediately went to Indiana Jones. It's like somebody wheeling it on a crate, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, top men are working on it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I mean, the Guardian of Forever is out there somewhere, and they're not using it to go back and change things. You know, they 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 stick a couple of uh, you know top. They, they Area Fifty One it, and they sure. they nobody knows what's in there, and and I think that it just goes away, or they keep it as a last resort to go back in time and fix things if the Klingons mess with them again. But, <laughs> uh, you know, the, 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 the last solution. But, but I feel like that's maybe our way out. We'll I can see. see that. That'd be one great scene that they could have added right to the end of this episode. Oh, it would have been so great. Yeah. Oh, Where uh, so... Stamets uh, or Burnham goes back to the, to the spore chamber or whatever, and they see Cornwall <laughs> and a bunch of, you know, men in black sort of taking it out. Like, What's going on? And she's like, well, yeah. I listened to your talk about We're taking power his spores. and responsibility. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think this is, we don't have the responsibility right now to deal with this. Yeah. So it's going to the that warehouse. It belongs in a museum. You're right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We could have the indignant Stamets, you know, saying like, oh, the, you know, this deserves to be explored. He seems really copacetic with it sort of being mothballed, too. So um, but but if well, I, I say that. But the only way to bring Culber back, it seems like, is through the mycelial network. Uh, maybe. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but maybe he's got, he's got so, the magic in him now. So maybe he doesn't true. need so the does, drive. So does maybe Tilly, as we as you noted last time with the little speck that falls Speaking on her. Of, oh, so, my gosh. I was going to yeah. bring that up. What was yeah. the point of that shot? Just to be pretty? I know, right? I yeah. Don't know. No, I, I. Yeah, nothing's just there for just for for pretty. I don't know. I don't think so either. <laughs> so, uh, but but I suspect that that next season the spore drive will be much less of a factor, if and possibly none. That's my prediction. I could see that. I could see that. Um, yeah, Captain Pike is like that. Doesn't seem like a good idea. Get rid of that or something. Like that. <laughs> Uh, well, that's pretty much it for our show this week and this season. So thanks for joining us, listeners. Uh, if you've liked what you've heard, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EIST Pod for updates and to get notified when new episodes of Enterprising Individuals and sometime in the future, new episodes of Discoverage are released. You can also tweet to us using the hashtag Discoverage, or you can email us at EISTpod at gmail.com. And while you're on the internet, why not head to your listening platform of choice and subscribe to our show? Give us a rating and a review if you think of it, because it really helps out. And you can stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. And if you like the show, tell a friend. As this is the last episode of Star Trek Discovery for a while, it's also the last episode of Discoverage for a while. But I'm excited to remind you, listeners, that the new season of Enterprising Individuals starts this Wednesday, the 14th of February. And every Wednesday this year will continue. Every other week, I and a guest will discuss in excruciating detail a selected episode from a Star Trek series. And on the off weeks, we'll have supplemental shows where we bring news from the Trek sphere and interviews with special guests. This coming Wednesday, I'm talking with comics artist Gordon Smooter about about the Tholian web, which, as we now know, has a special connection to Discovery. So join us this Wednesday for the latest year in our ongoing mission. And as for Discoverage, we'll continue to provide news on the new show of Enterprising Individuals. And rest assured, we will be back when Discovery returns this fall to bring you more live recap shows of Star Trek Discovery. And I hope it will return this fall. I'm not sure exactly when it's going to return. Have you guys heard anything? Um, I think it's not, I don't think it's going to be this fall. <laughs> I think it's going to be like a year. Over, yeah, uh, I it's gonna be a year. it'll be a little bit longer than the fall. Yeah. Right? 
Okay. I saw on um, on they have like placeholder dates um, on Memory Alpha or IMDb that say uh, the first of September, but I don't know if that's. I this, <laughs> this one was so delayed to begin with. I I have yeah. a feeling we're going to do the same thing. Yeah. It's going to take time to cast uh, Captain Pike and uh, number one. And sure. Spock. And Spock. Yeah. Well, we've yeah, got Spock, Spock down already. <laughs> no, you, you've got it cast. That's right. I forgot. <laughs> well, Ella, Ella, thanks for joining me on the show. Remind people where they can find you online. Thank you. Um, you can find me at generationsgeek.com and on Twitter. And check out our Instagram for the video my dad took of me reacting to uh, the big surprise at the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. got to check that out. Uh, Alan, where can people find you on the interwebs? Sure. Uh, I'm online at alangratz.com. That's A-L-A-N-G-R-A-T-Z.com. And I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Awesome. And Alan's new book, Refugee, and all of his books are available on Amazon.com and other places that you get books. That's right. So thanks again for joining me. Thanks to the listeners for listening. And we are signing off. This is Aaron for Alan and Ella saying live long and prosper. <laughs>